God's grace, his mercy, his peace, they are yours through our Lord and our Savior, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, I'd like for you, if you can, and just for a moment to recall in your mind when you felt with maybe it was a person or people around you where, where you experienced absolute unity. How often does that, that happen in, in life? There may be moments like I can think of maybe when you know, they win the championship as the underdog and all of them are trying to put a finger on the trophy as they hold it up and they say, we won. And at that time, in that moment, there's no complaining about who got more playing time and who made the winning shot, but we are there together. We won it as a team and everyone celebrates, but... Then we go back to reality the next day, right? I, I'm trying to think of maybe when you stand in front of all friends and family that have gathered and you look to that person that is a few feet or inches away and you say, I do. And, and then soon after the person says, I do back. And, and there in that moment, there is this unity that God is working and it is announced the two become one. It's almost euphoric. And, and then it becomes this this work in progress, right? Working back to maintain that unity. It happens in bigger settings too. If you, if, this morning I just spent a few minutes just looking through uh, just the headlines in the news and I don't know about you, but I'm really struggling with, with finding unity globally, nationally, it's just all over the place. We just, there's just tragedy and there's just, all these things that don't bring people together and all these experiments being tried to try and get people just to get along and if we just legislate this way or if we just get rid of this kind of morality or if we just end any tensions when it comes to race or nationality and, and if we just, the, the, it has just happened again and again in history and we never learn. <sighs> Governments they come and they go, they rise and they fall and some have tried to work nationalism. That'll bring unity. Others have tried genocide. Let's get rid of those that disagree. It's just these horrible social experiments trying to figure out unity. It's elusive. It's hard. It was even happening in the church where where this young congregation was gathering together and, and they were just experiencing for maybe the first time what forgiveness in Christ was and they were so excited about it and, and the Apostle Paul was just fostering this in them and then he had to leave and go away and all of a sudden this congregation was doing very dumb things and they weren't acting as a body in Christ allowing sin and, and the richer people were doing this and the poor people were doing that and they weren't waiting for each other and all of a sudden this thing that was to bring unity this this meal that Jesus leaves behind was not bringing the unity that God, God had intended. And so the Apostle Paul has to write back and remind the people, people, what are you doing? Don't you remember who you are, what Christ has made you? Don't you remember what Christ is doing? And, and he says, because there is one loaf, because there is one thing that brings us together and we participate in, in body and blood, bread and wine, this one loaf isn't just this eating. It, it is participation in, in Christ. The one loaf is, is the one who, who unites. We who are one body, we share this, this same loaf. 
But the real issue that, that we deal with that doesn't allow unity to happen, why it's so elusive, really, really can be wrapped up in, in this one little pronoun. It's just two letters. It's me. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh good, it's our pastor, it's his problem, right? No, no, this me is me. And this me, when you look in the mirror, is, is you. It really, if you think of it, is the source of all that divides us. Going back even, even to, the, to the garden, the perfect unity that God had between creation and him, those in his image and him, he delighted in it. We just talked about it a few weeks ago, Sabbath rest, all is good, very good. And then the me comes in. God's holding out on me and I want this for me. And then the me thinks they can hide from God and somehow shield themselves from God and will not admit and in fact, blame God and blame the others. And then this unity, oh, was divided between man and God and, and man and woman. And that me remains. The next generation of children, brother killing brother over whether or not a sacrifice was acceptable. It's all about me and, and through the generations the me has just compounded as, as people join together because they have the selfish me that thinks alike and then there's other me's over here and then we can't get along and we battle over finance and we battle over land and we battle over dumb things and destroy each other never once thinking about accountability to God. What about him? If you want to stand before God who sees all, created all, who knows all, who manages all, and you want to talk about me before him, he says, I have a list. And it's all about what you should be doing and not doing. And how does me line up with that? We don't want God to look at the me and my behavior then, right? We come every week with maybe the same things, maybe new and creative things, and we confess in a corporate way, God, I have done it again. And then the only way that we can address the me before God is have, have mercy on, on me. And that's, that's exactly what, what God does. That's exactly what, what God did here even to those that were misbehaving in Corinth within church. This is the gathering of people that celebrate Forgiveness, and they, they can't even get along. They don't even sense this, this unity that, that the Holy Spirit is working. And so this is what Jesus did. This is what Paul retold. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Basically, Jesus has us stand before him and says, It is all about me. Me. I am God. I rule over all things. It's not about you, but everything that I have done is all about you. Because I love you. 
It is a love that I can't even explain to you. It is a love that is a part of me. It is a love you just have to receive by faith. And it is a love that goes beyond what this world could ever give you. It goes beyond whatever you can ever try to experience in what you pursue. It is my love for you. And I want to wrap it up in things that you can touch and you can taste and you can experience so you know this love is yours because it changes you from the inside out. That's what Jesus is doing here. Because for us today, gathered as another church, we're a long way away from what Jesus did and he wanted to make sure that the church could again and again experience what he did a long time ago because he was thinking of you today gathered here in this place. And he wants you to experience it again and again and again and again because we need it. We can't get it anywhere, anywhere else. So Jesus comes to us today to do this thing that so often can become repetitive or maybe even the sense is I need it sometimes but not often as Jesus speaks of it, receive it often. And maybe I can just say this in, in the way that why this is different than the corporate forgiveness you receive here or you receive online. There's something that you read in Scripture. It's a little bit different, and maybe I'll relate it this way. A father of a big family decided to go away for a bit and had some guidelines for his family what they could do and not do and the family with father's absence went and the kids went and threw this party that was illegal and they shouldn't and they blew it and there was consequences and everything blew up and it was all known and father comes back and stares at these children who are absolutely bawling because they know they shouldn't have they knew better and father looks at them and sees this and says I forgive you. And, and I will take the consequence that is coming. I will, I will pay the bills. I will pay for the damage that is done. I will take that all into myself. I can afford it. You cannot. You cannot pay what is demanded of you. And, and I forgive you because I love you and I care for you. You are my family. Now, there's two ways that could go with those that receive this, right? It's, it's a forgiveness. It should be enough, right? It, it could be a part of them that, that is the evil part of us that says me could say, well, that was easy enough. The consequences weren't dire. I didn't have to pay the price. I can go and do that again, and may this father that's loving will forgive me again. That's the part of us we don't want to listen to, but it's courted by, by the world, and it is a part of us. And there's another part that might receive this, but so often can get muted by the other things that take its place and that love of the Father can be lost because its announcement is to so many. Now let's take that to a different scenario. The same father comes and announces this forgiveness to his family and then goes up to each child and grabs them under the chin and stares them eye to eye and face to face and looks at them and say, says, I forgive you. I love you with a love that I hope you're experiencing, but with a love that I don't even guarantee you're going to give me in return, but, but I love you and I will do anything for you. Because that is my job as your father. I will take the consequence and I will pay the, the cost, whatever it takes, because I want you to have the best you and I want you to experience what love and forgiveness is. And, and I want this to resonate in your heart because I trust you. I trust you with everything you have and I want you to have a wonderful life and I want you to have a great existence and I want to give you everything that I have so that you might experience this love. 
and then goes to the next child and does the same thing. And that child that is there to this side and this side hears that personal, that personal confession, that f- personal expression of the love and the sacrifice that's given. Do you think that might have a deeper impact when you're eye-to-eye, one-on-one, touch-to-touch, and then God looks to the family and says, go and be who you are. Is that not what we experience in the supper? God looks at his family and says, I have done this for you, and now I want you personally to experience it. And he involves all the senses. He says it's all there. Taste, touch, smell, eyes, ears. It is all there here. I want you to have what I did 2,000 years ago because I was thinking of you and I knew you need it right here and right now. And I want you to know that between you and me there is complete and perfect unity. There is no more sin, it is gone. The punishment that should have been has been put on the cross and what you receive now is the righteousness, the righteousness that is yours. I see you in it. I wrap you in it. It is yours because I love you and I want you to have a full life and I want to do everything that I can in my power and in with, within my will to make this life blessed but there's a plan that goes beyond this right through the grave, right to eternity, a feast that is planned for you. I want you to have this because you are my dear child. And I love you. And then to the next, and to the next, and together we experience this again and again, and the Holy Spirit working individually in hearts and grabbing hearts and uniting them. So, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. This is exactly what God is doing personally. And the spillover is what he does to us together. He unites us one one to another. Now, in this world, there are a lot of strong medications because there are a lot of bad diseases and there are a lot of bad things that happen to the body. And what, what I've noticed is the pharmaceutical companies are now trying to advertise directly over the TV that almost always when you have a strong, powerful drug, you have about 10 or 15 side effects that they have to list, and now they do it, I think we're the only country that says you have to list the side effects. They do it so fast you can hardly understand them. It sounds like an auctioneer, right? And so you hear, if you have this problem, take this with the doctor's prescription, and it's da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, it's gonna cause you know, heart palpitation, don't drive heavy equipment, you're gonna have to take this drug because this destroys your good gut flora and you have to replenish that. And over here, you gotta take this, so you're taking medications to help with the side effects of the medication, and you're wondering, is this getting me closer to a cure when I have all these symptoms and side effects? We're kinda used to things that are strong and powerful having side effects that aren't always so good. But God comes to us with the perfect cure for sin, for all that ails us, to let our hearts experience his love, a rest and peace that only he can give, and the side effect is perfect because it works unity with those right next to you and gathered with you. It's the thing that, that our shut-ins, 40-some a month we go and visit personally and bring them the Lord's Supper. It's the thing they say they missed most, gathering together with brothers and sisters and receiving it in this space with the voices and the singing and the expressions and all that there, this unity that the Holy Spirit is working. It's strained when we are apart. It's hard to receive when you're worshiping online and you see others doing this. 
Because Jesus says we who are together express this as we come together, as we gather, and he works this unity that goes beyond the just gathering in the pews. But it spills over into our life too. He says, go now and be forgiven. And that's, that's the, the unity of husband and wife now being expressed between parent and child and child and parent, between brother and sister and sister and brother. And it's this unity that God says, this is my body through which I accomplish great things. This is the unity that can be worked and is being worked. We see it in that first lesson. How did this express itself? Well, the people continued to gather together. They worship in their homes. They they sought out anything that anyone that had a need, they dealt with that need. This is how the body of Christ behaves. This is what the Holy Spirit is working. And then the Lord impacts his kingdom as many more are added. A lot's happening, right, in the sacrament. That's what Jesus intends, and may he bless us today through it as he brings us individually before him as he reminds us, between, between you and me, there is perfect unity. There is nothing that separates, nothing that divides. You get this nowhere else. It is between me and you, and it is forever. And may that spill over also into our unity one to another. Because there is one loaf, and we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God that is ours through Jesus Christ who announces it in his forgiveness, who serves it to us in this meal, unite us to him as he alone can do in the working of the Holy Spirit and also unite us one to another as his body. Amen. I invite you now to...